This morning, if the Lord will allow, I want to speak today out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to speak on the thought, I need a hero. And when I begin to look into this message and looking into the thoughts that I felt like the Lord was formulating in my mind, I thought to myself, we all need a hero. In fact, um, I went online because my memory was reaching back into the 80s and there was a song, a secular song that I wasn't allowed to listen to because we were from a sanctified house, but Pastor Bev listened to it um, growing up. No. She knows the lyrics to all the 80s hits. Her and Lisa Hubbard, they have memorized lines. I'm like, how'd y'all get away with listening to that stuff? I went aloud. Come on, smile at me. And there was a song that said, I need a hero holding out for a hero. So when I shared with Pastor Bev that I was going to be ministering on this thought, she said, maybe you could play that song. I said, have you read all the lyrics to that song? She said, well, maybe don't. Come on, somebody. You get a jingle in your head and you're like, oh, yeah. And it almost get, becomes real spiritual. And then you read the lyrics and you're like, oh, we've made a knot. And I know you all mature enough to handle just about anything. But I thought to myself as I was thinking, I need a hero. I need heroes in my life. I have heroes in my life. And I also thought about, God, would you position me to be, be a hero into someone's life? Let me say that what qualifies you as a hero is not your credentials, it's not your pedigree, it's not who your family's name is, it's not how long you've been saved, sanctified in the church. What qualifies you as a hero, in my humble opinion, is the fact that you did not quit. That you did not give up. That you held to something, a conviction, a principle, a value, and that you fought your way through to get to where you are. We are all in pursuit of something. We've come through something, are in something, or going into something right now. But God wants you to know today that your definition and my definition of hero is not necessarily what Hollywood tells us, but it is what the Word tells us. And how many believe that the Word of God always is the precedent and is the, is the plumb line? Reader's Digest, Hollywood, Netflix, whatever, is not the plumb line. It is not the standard. It's not the foundation. The word of God is. The Bible said that heaven and earth would pass away, but my word would never pass away. If you believe the word of God is true, shout amen. amen. And I want to read out of Hebrews chapter 11. And if you have your Bibles there, turn with me into this particular book. And I want you to see with me three different verses this morning that I want to highlight some people that God says are heroes. Not what top 10 lists say or the top People magazine list says, but who God defines as a hero. And the first passage that I want to read from is verses 7 of Hebrews chapter 11. 
And the Bible reads like this, that it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. If you are comfortable in underlining these three words, do so in your Bible. Save his family. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. It almost sounds like we're in a time like that now. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. And then another verse that I want to read is in verse 23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. And most of you that have had a child, at times you have really said, this is an unusual child. <laughs> Smile at me. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. I don't have time to digest all that verse, but I want you to look at the fact that the key to the whole verse is his parents. Moses is mentioned, but his parents is the emphasis. Everybody say his parents. And then we read another verse in this same chapter, and that is verse 31. And it was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, the streetwalker, that lady in red. Uh-oh. Now, if you have red on this morning, please don't be. Because I, I know the devil tried to offend everybody get offended. I didn't know the team... The praise team was all in rest. <laughs> Lord knows I didn't mean nothing by that like that. Come on now. I think there's an old song that says, lady. Anyway, go ahead. No, you don't, don't go down that road. <laughs> Help me, Holy Ghost. That it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And so I've read to you three verses in particular today that I want us to draw from this morning, if the Lord will help me, out of verse 7, verse 23, and verse 31. Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the Hall of Faith chapter. Everybody say, I need a hero. In Hebrews chapter 11, God's hall of faith, God lifts certain names of people who distinguish themselves in the kingdom of God by the feats that they accomplished. So God would lift their name up to, to underline, underscore, and in bold say, look at what they did. And he lifts names up in Hebrews chapter 11 actually what we could almost call heaven's roll call of outstanding winners uh, and even outstanding achievers. So if you are anybody who is anybody that has done anything significant in the word of God, you fall into Hebrews chapter 11. 
Men like David, when the Bible said that David, he slew the giant. And it lists the things that David did. Men like Joshua, who prayed with such fervency and faith that he spoke to the sun and commanded the sun to stand still. And that in the Bible is the first appearance of 24 hours daylight savings time. When he commanded the sun to be still, you better know that you can get a hold of God if you could point to the sun and make it stand still. And the Bible said that he gets into this chapter. Men like Samson, who the Bible said, even though he was an unbridled leader, defeated a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. And it lists them. And if you read Hebrews 11, it lists all these people who are heroes of the faith and the amazing accomplishments that they did. And the Bible says that some of them defeated armies and the odds were stacked against them. Some of them took cities. Some of them accomplished things like raising folk from the dead, performing miracles like Elijah, who the Bible said that when he prayed for it to rain, and it rained after three years of famine that he began to pray and the heavens opened up and the sound of prayer came up through faith and God brought deliverance. And yet when I read Hebrews chapter 11 and all that's entailed and all the names of the heroes, there are three in the middle of this that, I, that I've highlighted today that really almost seem out of place. Because there's no raising of the dead, there's no casting out of devils, there's no command in the solar system to stand still, that it, they are still listed in the chapter. They made it in the roll call. Even though they haven't done what David did and haven't done what Samson did and, and doesn't have that same special difference about them, the Bible says that they made it in to this particular book. And it almost seems, in my understanding, almost out of place because they really should not be in that hall of fame if you were to stack them against. Oh, come on now. Some people never thought you'd be where you are today, <laughs> but God. And so when I looked at these three, they almost don't fit hero status, except they all did one thing, the same thing. They all three did something that was the same. They had all three in common in one thing that they did. And that one thing was the thing in God's eyes that made them notable. And he said, I want them in the book. I want them in the chapter. I'm going to insert their name and their side note. I want you to know that the thing that all three of them did is all three of them saved their family. I'm going to park right here. All three of them saved their family. They didn't have a mega church. They didn't have a mega miracle ministry. They didn't have a mega faith to take cities, to conquer giants, or to defeat the odds of thousands of soldiers coming against them like some of them did in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. But these people had faith 
and they were heroes in God's eyes because their faith caused not only that they would be saved, but that they would save their whole house and bring their family into salvation. And I'll come to encourage you today that God thinks if you're getting your family saved, that you're doing something just as great as what Gideon did or what David did or even what Abraham did. You may think like it's not much, but if you're getting your family saved, you just as important as the heroes in chapter 11. Look at somebody and say, you are a hero. If you're teaching people, if you're winning and you're bringing and causing your family to know who Jesus is, then God says that you're a family hero in my eyes. And what you're doing is just as great as all the people that we've just described. They deserve to be in God's hall of faith chapter, right next to the people who did big, magnificent things. And all they did was win their family. So first of all, I want to look at Rahab. Everybody say Rahab the harlot. It's so shocking to see that Rahab, and the Bible says it plain, is she is a harlot, mentioned in Hebrews 11, that she is a prostitute. Rahab in our modern times would be a stripper. <laughs> in our modern times, Rahab would be a dance a dancer, a lap dancer is going to get quiet in here. And that's a very plain and crude almost way to say something about somebody in a mixed public audience. And yet God thinks it important enough that he puts the detail in there to describe her way of living, to describe her way of earning to describe her way of getting by, to describe her hustle on the side. Come on now. And it's crude, I know it is, but God put it in there so that he could say to anybody who's listening to me that there is nothing in your family's background that is more powerful than the grace of God and the mercy of God. No matter what your past looks like and no matter what the family tree you come from, I feel like preaching here, that no matter what you've come out of, that it doesn't matter how colorful it is and how stained it is and how hush-hush it is and keep it in the closet, don't tell nobody, the grace of God and the mercy of God wants you to know he's got more grace and more power and more mercy to cover all that you could ever describe that you have come from. Somebody ought to praise God that God didn't leave you like he found you. That God didn't leave you in that mess of dysfunction, in that generational bondage and corruption that he brought you all the way out. Could I just encourage somebody to be happy today where the Bible said who the sun sets free is free indeed. I feel like smiling at somebody to tell you you are free from the shackles of your past. You are free from the shackles of yesterday. Yesterday does not hold you. You are held in the hand of God and he don't live in today he lives in eternity and he is a God who steps into your life to encourage you keep running, keep preaching keep believing, God's not done with you it doesn't matter what you've come through, it doesn't matter what you came out of 
the grace of God and the mercy of God is more powerful. And it doesn't matter all of those things because God can turn you and he can turn your family into heroes for the kingdom's sake because Rahab didn't just get into Hebrew 11 as a harlot. When you find her in Matthew chapter 1, in the genealogy of Jesus, it doesn't say the harlot Rahab. It just says Rahab. What happened? Grace covered up her past. And Grace took a messed up, dysfunctional family and made them cause Jesus Christ to play a part in genealogy, to come out of their seed line, to be God among us, come on, Emmanuel among us, who would come out of the lineage of a harlot. Come on, somebody. You remember the story where the Bible talks about the two spies that, that went into Jericho and Joshua and his army were about to overtake it. And when the king heard that they were strangers that had invaded into the city, they knew they had to hide somewhere. And the Bible said that they found a woman by the name of Rahab who is described as a harlot. And they went unto her house and they said, we are here and we need you to hide us in your house. And she was like a negotiator who was very sharp. And she said this, she said, uh, well, let's make a deal. She said, I will hide you in my house if you will give me what I ask of you. And she could have asked for money and she could have asked for a title and she could have asked for property and real estate, but she didn't ask for none of those things. When she was able to ask whatever she wanted, notice what she asked for. She said, I want you to save me and me and my house, my entire household, because I know God is with you. And when you come in to take this city, I'm asking you to, to take my family up and to protect us and to save our house. And she starts naming it in Joshua. And she said, I want you to save my father. I want you to save my mother. I want you to save my brothers. And I want you to save my sisters. They said, what do you want? And she didn't ask for nothing except for the saving of her family. And she began to name the people in her family that she wanted saved. Isn't that something that a prostitute has the audacity to say, I know my family messed up. I know I'm bad. I know I'm not just bad. I'm b -b -b bad and I'm terrible and I've got a bad reputation. But if I take you in, you represent the promise of a household salvation. And if I hide you in my house, I, I, I hear the word that says me and my house can be saved. And I dare take you in and hide you. You've got to promise me that if I take you in and hide 
find you, you're going to save me. You're going to save my mom and daddy. You're going to save my cousins. You're going to save my aunts and uncles. You're going to save all my children. You're going to save every one of them. I want my whole house saved. And they said to her, listen here, if you'll let us out of this window with a rope and tie a scarlet cord in the window, and when you let us out of that, then get your family in your house and make sure they stay in your house. I feel like preaching right here. Your job, Rahab, is to fasten the cord. Your job is to get your family in. Your job is to make sure they all make it into the house. And that word fasten means to nail it down. And she made sure she got her family in the house. Listen what I'm telling you this morning. All she did to be a hero was she got her family in the house. I want to preach to somebody and tell you that the house represents the church. I wish I could tell you that God says you are raised by to a hero status if you can get your family into the house. Because in the house there's miracles. In the house there's protection. In the house there is salvation. In the house there's freedom and deliverance. That's all you need. But you've got to get your family in the house. Parents, your job is to get your kids into the house. Church should not be optional. Church is not something you hip, you skip, you miss. Church is not something that is of the lesser priority. This is life or death. This is talking about your family making it into heaven. What could be more important? Sports isn't more important. Nothing in this world that it has to offer is more important. When you know that your family is saved and you are saved, you are a hero and you are considered a success. No matter what else you don't do, if you just do that, you are considered a success and a hero in the eyes of God. She was a hero. She saved her family and all she did, Pastor Wayne, was to make sure that her house was in the house. She got her family there. I come to ask you, are your kids in Kid City? Are they in Kidsville? Are they in Little Village? Are they in 317? Let me preach during this pandemic and tell you all you have to do to be considered a hero in the eyes of God is get your family into the house. Somebody said, is that it? No, I got two more points. That's not it. Rahab got her family into the house. And he said, if you stay in the house, they'll all be saved. The second thing that I talk about today is Noah. Noah, he didn't do anything but save eight people in his whole life. Eight people. God gave him a commission. And he gave him this commission when he had 500 Birthday candles on his cake. In other words, when he was 500, God told him to build an ark. That tells me, for those of us that are sitting here today, would say, well, you know, I waited too late. 
I lived in sin. I didn't get it, bring my kids to church, and it's too late for me. No, it's not. Noah's got a message for you. He was 500, had 500 birthday candles on his cake. Mm. And God said, I need you to build an ark for the saving of your family. And his kids were grown. And God said, it's never too late to save your family. It's never too late to build an ark of safety. It's never too late to see God intervene and cleanse your family tree from the seeds of, of dysfunction and generational curses that have lingered and maybe even skipped a generation. But if the head of that devil's not cut off, it'll show up again in some diabolical form. It is never too late for you to lay an ax to the root of sin and say, God, whatever time I've got left, I'm going to do everything within my power to save my family. Noah had grown children. He only saved eight people in his entire life. And so God said, what do you want, my, uh, what do you want me to do? And God said, I want you to build an ark for the saving of your family. And he did that. He had eight family members. And I love the fact that when he started building the ark, that the Bible says that his children got involved in ark building. So here's the good thing about Noah and the fact that not only did he get his family into the ark, but he got his family involved in the house. Rahab got her family in the house in the church, but he got his family involved in the work of the church and in the work of the kingdom of God. Can I just go ahead and preach in here for a few moments right here in this house and tell you that every one of those children grew up with a hammer in their hand, a nail in their hand, a saw in their hand. And while other families were preoccupied with other things, you know what Noah's children were doing? They were building the ark. They grew up with a hammer. They grew up with ministry. They grew up with an opportunity to serve. They grew up with a, with a thought that I've got to lay my hand to the plow and do the work of God. They had their kids involved. Come on. They had them in Kid City. They had them in 317. They had them involved in music. They had them involved in drama. They had them running cameras. Come on now. That's what I'm preaching to somebody today. It's not enough just to get your family in like Rahab, but Noah made sure his family got involved in the work of God. How rewarding it is to see your children rise up and do something in the blessed name of Jesus. I come to prophesy to every parent that's watching in here today to tell you it is a reward for you to look over your shoulder one day and say, look at what God did. He brought us up out of dysfunction. He brought us up out of curses. He brought us out of a wicked world. And Noah, all he did was raise up eight people. He only saved eight people. But those that he saved, he put their hand to the plow and they got word into the work of God. And one of the keys to seeing your family saved is you've got to get them involved. You've got to insist on it. Noah was a family hero because God was the center of his family's life. When I think about boat building, I think about the fact that you're building an ark of salvation and every time you come to church and every time you tithe and every time you worship and every time you prioritize the Lord's day. Woo, don't you be depressed on me. Don't you let this quarantine pandemic be on your spirit. Shake that thing off. 
every time you prioritize God and you teach by example your children, we go to church, we build arcs, we save our family, we stay involved in the work of ministry. Well, my kids, they won't, they ain't gonna have it. Honey, your kids don't run your house. You run your house. It is your house. You paid the bills. You gave them a thousand dollar cell phone. Now they don't have time to talk to you because their mind's in that place. Take it away. Take the door off the hinge of their bedroom and say privacy is earned in this house. Well, I don't know. Nobody wants to preach with me in this vein, but I want you to understand your priority is to raise your family in the house of God and say, we're going to be involved in the kingdom work. There was never a time when my, when my family, uh, that we decided we weren't going to be involved in ministry. There were times we got hurt. There were times that we got tired. There were times that we took a siesta. There were times that we did, but we always went back to the thing that we know that was ingrained to us by our mom and daddies that we had to stay involved in the work of God because Rahab got her family in but Noah got him involved in the work of the ministry and that was all they knew. It became a way of life for them and I love the fact that the Bible said that it, they pitched it on the outside. They pitched it with tar not on the out, only on the outside but they had to pitch the ark with tar even on the inside. Can you imagine that they pitched it on the outside and they also had to pitch it on the inside. What are you saying? I'm saying that what you're pitching on the outside better match what you're pitching on the inside. What you live out publicly better live and match up what you live privately. And the only people who know mom and daddy if what you have is real is your children. And it's not enough to be seated up on an outside and come in on one day a week on a Sunday and raise your hands. But if those kids don't see you pitch Monday through Saturday and see you read your Bible and pray and see you call on Jesus, are you just pitching your, your ark publicly or are you also doing it privately? And I'm thankful that when Jesus comes again in judgment and he covers this earth, if we do what Noah did, then we too, will rise but if we don't do it just it will be just our family I'm trying to get you to understand if I can get my family to heaven I'm a success I may win the whole world but if I can't win my own family something's off I got ministry starts in your home ministry starts in your marriage ministry starts with your babies and your children it's not enough to call you preacher or elder or deacon or minister so and so or prophet whoever if you have a, you can marry 10 people and still be in the ministry, but that doesn't mean you're effective. Ooh, it's quiet in here. Your role is to save your family. And your family knows if what you have and what you are is real. It means to me, to me more than money. It means more to me than houses and land, cars and material things. It means everything for me to get my family ready for the coming of the Lord. I spent a long time these last few months meditating, praying for my family. And yesterday when we sat around and ate together, I was almost in a place of tears. I didn't cry. But I wanted to at the prayer time when we was teaching Liam how to fold his hands and pray. Because 
I'm thankful for the 21 years plus ministry here in Indianapolis and Bethel Family Worship Center, but none of it means nothing if I don't win my own family. It means nothing if I don't get my whole house in. He was a success because he got his family involved in the cause of God. Rahab was a success because she got her family in the house. And lastly, I want to talk about Moses' parents because the Bible said that he had a father and he had a mother. In fact, their names are given to us in the book of Exodus and I think Moses' daddy's name was Amran and his mom's name was Jochebed. And all they did was when Pharaoh put out a decree and a law came out to kill all the boys, the Bible said that they did not agree like other families to turn their child over. But the Bible said they hid their child. And I want to say to you before I close today, if you want to be a hero, you've got to learn how to hide your family. Don't let their innocent little ears and eyes be exposed to everything in the world. I know you can't hide them forever. I know that they're going to go off and they're going to go to college and all of that. But in those formative years that you have them, you are to hide them. You are to shelter them. You are to guard them. You're to make sure that their eyes and their ears and their mind and their heart, these little itty bitty children that you don't expose into things that they don't need to see and they don't need to hear and that they don't need to know. Keep them, hide them, have some convictions in your life. Have something about you that says we're going to have modesty. We're going to have purity. Hide them from cussing and filthy language in your home. Hide them in those formative years. And then she said, at some point I can't hide him anymore. And Jochebed had a decision. I've got to release him into the Egyptian system. But I'm not going to let him go that easy. And the Bible said that she made him a basket out of a bulrush. Oh, hallelujah. A bulrush, as I begin to examine it. Do you know that a bulrush is made of material out of the Nile River that even alligators are allergic to? Do your Google search that the bulrush is made out of a substance that even alligators are not attracted to. And so when she knew she had to release him, she cocooned him in a bulrush. <laughs> that she kept him in something that the world would not see as attractive. That even the world would say, you're not of us, are you? Uh, you don't talk like us, do you? And the Bible says she, she wrapped him and put him in a bulrush and set him out into the Nile River. 
and sent him in to the Egyptian system. And it's almost like I could hear Jochebed say, I'm going to send him down the river. I'm going to send him to an Egyptian system. But what I build and what I wrap around him in this little basket is my faith. It's my prayer. It's my lifestyle. It's my example. (laughs) And I'm going to go with him. And when he gets down there into Egypt and they teach him in Egypt that there are 800 gods that he ought to worship all of them, that he is going to walk in becoming the man that will write in the beginning was God and he would write Deuteronomy 6 behold the Lord our God he is one he is going to come into a place where he will write the book of Genesis he will write the book of Exodus he will write the book of Numbers the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses because Jochebed wrapped him up she hit him She hid him from the gay lesbian agenda where people could sit in our church and disagree with this Bible. There's coming a day and it's upon us now where the governor in California just stated, you can't sing. I'm not here to debate it. I'm here to tell you this is the direction we're headed and I already told you they're coming after us next. And if you don't have it secure, you're going to lose and the devil's going to devour you up. There are going to be backsliders who will sit in our churches who when the mobs and rioters who come against the church and tell us we can no longer preach, this is not in my notes, but tell us we can no longer preach the truth of the gospel, that we can no longer tell you that sin is sin and it will send you to hell. They will tell us that we can no longer say that Jesus is the only way. I hope this makes people uncomfortable. There is coming a day, it is upon us, that they will try to legislate in judicial systems that pastors cannot preach anything that they don't allow but I'm here to tell you who is on the Lord's side as we approach the coming of Jesus this is the hour to get involved this is the hour to hide your family you better have the word of God hidden in you like David who said I hid the word in me so that I would not sin against God there is coming a day that your pastor is going to have to take a stand that I will preach the truth I'll preach the true gospel I'm not going to preach some easy greasy message so that people can just feel good about their sin. That's what they want us to do is to justify their sin. But when you preach against sin, it's like cockroaches running everywhere. And before you say, did he just call somebody a cockroach? The devil is a cockroach. Moses was educated in the Egyptian system. He was in the world but not of it. The basket that his mother built for him in the time that she hid him, in the time that she mentored him, in the time that she babysat him, and she did all of that, and I don't have time to preach it. Read your Bible. But she got to keep him and was even paid by Pharaoh's daughter to keep her own child and to feed her own baby. But she wasn't just feeding him milk. She was feeding him and whispering in his ear, Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus. When she drew him in, she whispered over him, Jesus, you're a world changer, Moses. God's going to raise up a deliverer. She was feeding him, Jesus, and it got in him. And when he got old enough, he made the declaration, I would rather have the reproach with God's people than to live in a palace with Pharaoh because a mom by the name of Jochebed hid him. She's a hero in the Bible because not only did Rahab get the family in the house and Noah caused his family to work in the house, but she made sure that he was in the house hidden by the things of the world so that the power of God could consume his mind. I don't know how tired you are today and maybe your kids have been giving you fits, but don't relent. Don't let down the standard. Don't stop preaching. Get your babies to church and say, I'm hiding you in the things of God. I'm almost done. I read a story this week about gazelles. And I'm a history channel person and I'm a nature person. I like to look at them wildlife. I like to see those crazy stories. But I read this story about gazelles in South South Africa that they have a secret code to the fawns that they bear. That their babies, who we would call maybe a deer, a baby deer, that the adults have these little brown spots on their ears and on the back of their ears. So these gazelles have brown spots on their ears. And the reason they do is so that because when they're in high grass, and sometimes that grass grows up high where they feed, that the parent can blend into the atmosphere or the environment so much that the fawn has a hard time seeing its parent. And they don't know where mommy is. And they don't know where daddy is. But if they bear those marks of distinction, when they lift up their head, and they perk up their ears, it lets the baby know there's a lion approaching. There's an enemy coming. (laughs) And they let that baby know, shift gears and move in a different direction. And even though it's hard to see them because the environment they're in Those marks of distinction save the next generation of deer because the parent has a mark of distinction upon its life that all it has to do is rise up and alert their family something is off and it sends a message oh let me preach to this church and tell you we need mommies and daddies we need 
saints of God to rise up with a mark of distinction. We're in this world, but we're not of this world because I will rise up and alert you. Something's off in my spirit. Watch who you run with. No, you can't stay at their house. No, you can't do this. I have something in my spirit that says I've got to keep watch over you. You may not like me now, but you will love me later because my goal is to get you all the way home and sometimes I just got to hide you. Do you have a mark of distinction in your life that even the world knows there's something different about you? Do you have a walk with God? Do you have a sanctified something about you that when it's all said and done, they see Jesus and because they see Jesus, they see a path to walk in. If you have it, you will transfer it to another generation. You've got to have a mark of distinction that you've been with Jesus. And then I looked into the New Testament where the Bible said that they took note that the disciples had been with Jesus. They bared in their own self the mark of Christ. And so whatever the faults are, and there are many in this dad, in this husband, but when it's all said and done, nobody who's lived with me, and I'm not bragging on myself because it's the grace of God, but I can honestly say that I've done my best to live a life to teach my family that I love God, that I got my family in the house, that I got my family involved in the kingdom of God, and that I hid my family. And when I'm dead and gone, I want my children to say, he bore the mark of distinction on me and their mother. How about you today? How about you? You're starting right now before you leave this service. God's looking for some family heroes and it just takes one. It just takes one. It takes one to begin a miracle in a family. This generation is crying out for a hero. I need a hero. I thought about all of the people who have become famous in this life. Sports figures, movie stars, we idolize them, we buy their shoes. They might not even play anymore, we still buy their apparel. I heard a daddy said he took his child to buy some Michael Jordans and they were like so expensive. He said, he don't even play anymore. But daddy, I gotta have them. Why don't you buy these Montel Jordans? They'll get you through. <laughs> no, I, I won't. <laughs> I need a hero, daddy. Come on, smile at me. We all need a hero. And the Bible said that Rahab was a harlot. 
colorful past. All kinds of mess up. All kinds of dysfunction. She put the dis in dysfunction. And her whole house got saved. She made it in the chapter. I don't care what your past has been. If you can get your family in, you're a hero. You don't have to make the most money. You don't have to be the most educated. But if you can get your family in, you're a hero. <laughs> Noah got his family involved in the work of ministry. You may never be a prophet, an apostle, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. But your kids can be involved in the work of God. You can raise them with a hammer and a nail. And they can say, before I leave this earth, I want to make sure that I have built the kingdom of God. Not my own ministry, not my own empire, my own uh, brand. I don't need to be a YouTube superstar. I need to get my family saved. I got to get them in. I got to get them involved in the work of God. And if I don't do it, the world surely won't help them. And Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, took a responsibility. As long as I can, I'm going to hide my babies. There was times when Caitlin was growing up that she would want to go to so-and-so's house. And because we didn't know so-and-so's mom and daddy, we'd say, you can't go. But daddy, there were times when invitations would come that I felt a check in my spirit. And I, I had to say, I don't believe we should do this. And it made make me popular. But I want to tell you something, parent. You're not called to be your child's best friend. You're child to be their parent. <laughs> Friendship will come later. Friendship will come later. You got to hear me. Friendship will come later. Your responsibility now is to parent them because you have to hide them. When we dedicate children, I see so many people, they have a baby. They're having babies everywhere. And they think, well, I'm going to get my baby dedicated. Do you realize that the purpose of a child dedication is not even about the baby? It's about the parent. The parent is making a vow before God that they would raise their child. They will hide their child. God, give us consecration again. Give us sanctified living again. Holy Ghost, seal this word in the heart of your people right now. Heal this people. Heal our mind from what's been dumped into it by the world. Heal our thoughts from what's been shoved down our throats. Heal our emotions from being so tore up with drama. Heal us, Lord. Heal me and I will live. Heal me and I will live. Heal me and I will live. If you have family that, know, that need Jesus, I want you to begin praying for them right now. You've got loved ones in your family. You know they're not living for the Lord. You're not judging anybody, but the Bible said you will know a tree by the fruit it bears. 
you're not judging them, you're knowing them. And if you know something's not what it should be, with grace and humility, ask God. God, save them. God, reach into their heart. Convict them again. <laughs> Deal with my family again, God. Deal with me again. Let me, when I pitch the ark, that I not only pitch it on the outside, but I keep it pitched on the inside too so that my children will get saved because they followed an example. I may not be a perfect parent, but I'm gonna do my part. That when I make a mistake or I've done something off or if I've said something that hurt feelings, that I will quickly rectify that so that my children would know, hey, dad and mommy, they mean what they said. I feel like this is a place of introspection right here to examine your relationships and ask the Holy Ghost, what can I do better? Show me how, Lord. Because I may not be a hero in everyone else's eyes, but if I can get my family saved, like Rahab, Noah, and Jochebed, and Amran, then I am a hero in your eyes, God. And I can't think of anything greater this morning than for you to get your family and your house in before the coming of the Lord. Would you begin to cry out to God right where you are? Cry out to him. Pray out loud. Talk to him. Talk to him out loud. Talk to him inside your head. But begin to talk to God. And begin to thank him for bringing you this far. Begin to ask the Holy Ghost to bring you into hero status because of bringing your family in. Some of us need to go out and get our family in. No matter, we need to quit our sinning so that our children don't repeat our mistakes. Rahab made a decision to continue a lifestyle or to make it into the kingdom. She made it into the kingdom. And out of her comes the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus comes from the seed line of a harlot. Because she made a decision to get her house in. You're going to make a decision today to change your way of living to bring your house into salvation. Like Noah, you're going to make a decision today to keep your kids committed into church. Keep them committed in the kingdom of God. To not let them go down any rabbit's trail, but keep them on the right path. Thus saith the word of God. Thus saith the word of God. And like Moses' parents, you will make a commitment today to hide your kids even when you have to release them to this world system, you have bull rushed them with prayer <laughs> and faith and your testimony. And I hear like the Holy Spirit is just, just sawing through all of this right in our heart right here. Come Holy Spirit, do a work in us now. Father, we just yield to you. We ask you to take possession of our family. Take possession of my life, my heart, my living. Come on, do that. Lord, take possession of me. I give myself to you. In spite of what's happening in this world, I can't fix it. I can't make it right. I can't do what need. I can't overturn injustice. I can't do any of it, but I can stand in faith and let you go before us because only you have the words of life. Only you have the direction worth following. I can't follow people. People will lead me into the ditch. 
I can't follow people. Lean not to the arm of flesh. I must follow the Holy Ghost. I must follow the Spirit of God because the children coming behind me need the power of the Holy Ghost. Before your coming, Jesus, I want you right now to begin to pray like you are and just consecrate your mind. Consecrate. Don't let your thoughts get to the news. Don't let your thoughts be on politics. Don't let your thoughts be on anything that's happening right now. Put your mind on the Lord. My mind is upon the Lord right here. In the name of Jesus.